Hey, everybody. All right, say it with me out loud. Listen to this. It's 2023. Your turn. It's 2023. Good job. Keep practicing that. So it's a new year. We've been into the new year. And let me tell you about our church. What we do, we do, uh, I don't remember when we started the tradition, but we got the tradition now, is I actually will spend some time saying, God, uh, when the new year comes, what do you want us as a church to focus on? And got so specific, is like, God, would you even give us like one word to steer the ship, for lack of better words, to where all the sermons, just our agenda, our thought process, partially it's probably because your pastor is, well, I just can't focus on too many things at one time. So I was like, can you just give me one word? And that will help me lead a church. And so for year, year after year, year after year, he's given me like, here's one word. I want everything coming after this, going after, like focusing on this. And so if you're brand new or, or maybe you're just tuning in for the first time, 2023, here's our, our word of the year is trust. Now, there's some specificity to this. This is not me trying to help you trust in the government because I can't do that, okay? I, okay, so just, I know you know that, but I thought I should bring that up. This, there, there's, some, there's some logical, I think, conclusion you can draw that all year long we're gonna talk about and, and just literally dwell on trusting God. Most of us would say, that, I mean, the idea of being able to legitimately trust God sounds very enticing, and we would like that, but oftentimes, well, I've shared at the beginning, the, the first sermon of the year, we believe in a God that we don't necessarily trust. We don't have to cross that bridge. Trust. We just keep believing that he's real, and we hope that trust shows up someday, where, according to God, Trust is something that you and I actually are actively involved in with him. That if you want to trust God, well, there's some stuff that we actually got to do and know. So that's the theme of the whole year. I'll give you some verses because I think, I think we ought to have something attached. This isn't just David going, I came up with a random word. No, th this is where God took me and uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart. If you watch again, the first of the year sermon, I climbed a rock for you, uh, and people are like, did you enjoy that? Was that fun? No, no, not an ounce of it. Uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart. You got to go after the, you have to watch it for that to make sense. Do not depend on your own understanding. That's, that's the quandary. That's why I love how this verse says it. Trust in the Lord. Okay. Well, okay. What that means is stop thinking you know everything. It's beautiful. Like, hey, you might even feel like it's right. It might seem like it's right. She may have said it's right. He may have said it's right. And, and you understand it to be right. But there in the Bible, it says, trust in the Lord. And what's going to get in your way is you thinking you know everything. Seek his will in all you do. And he will make your path straight. He will show you. So if you've ever like, God, I want to know what to do. I want to know where to go. I want to know how to do life. I, please tell me, please tell me. He's like, okay, it starts with before I give you all the info, let's talk trust. Now, why do you and I have trust issues? Because we do. It's because most of us as human beings utilize our senses, our five main senses to process information. If you don't remember class, you were, you, you were taught this in class. But, uh, but you have senses that, that allow you to process information. So 
Perhaps you're sitting uh, near someone that smells really good and you're like, they must be awesome. Or it's the opposite and you're like, I don't like them. So you, I'm telling you, your, your, your sense of smell gives you memories, right? You can walk into an environment, you smell something, you're like, oh man, I remember. And you're, all, you're, you're back. You're back to wherever that took you. Your senses are so powerful that many of us decide if we trust, we process information based on our senses. If you've ever thought someone was baking something, right? Then you find out it's just a stupid candle. <laughs> right? So, so what it tells you, what it tells you, it tells you something that, that you and I, even though we have senses, we're given, we're given these senses by God, that we have to admit deep down that our senses are not nearly as reliable as we'd like them to be. We can be duped. By candles or, uh, or special, like, like if you've ever been to an illusionist, a magician or whatever, and that's a bit of the game. You're like, I can't figure this out. My senses say one thing. You can't chop a person in half. And they still move. Like, so, nowadays, uh, one of the ways this is really uh, messing with you and I is virtual reality. If you haven't uh, done this... It's, it's catching on, and it, it's going to go a whole lot further. Uh, but you, you, you slap on some goggles. I'm, I'm generalizing this. And then all of a sudden, you're in this virtual setting. And it's, it's, eventually, there's going to be a day that, uh, if you ever watched Star Trek, this has taken me back a while, but, but you're going to be able to walk into an environment and make that environment virtually seem like whatever you want it to be. Well, what that's going to do to you and I is take our trust issues to a whole other level. Uh, I was reading different articles about virtual reality because it's kind of new to me and stuff like that. And there, there's, a, I guess, a, a, what they call the, the OG uh, podcaster for PlayStation. I don't know. I'm saying things I don't even understand. Uh, but this guy is like super, 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 super involved in video games. He has, the, I guess, the number one PlayStation podcast, talks about video games, has helped create video games, knows all about video games. And he, he commented about this, the current state of virtual reality and video games. And I thought I would show it to you. I'm not vouching for his character. I don't know the dude. But listen, it's, it's hard to tell what's real and, and isn't anymore. This is where I kind of got hooked. It's like, oh, yeah. What's reflective of reality and tangible and what's distorted or fictitious? Our society is in a vulnerable, even critical state. It feels like steam is creeping through the pot lid and the tension is building. And this video game guy says, I don't like it. Uh-oh. The people creating things are, are going, maybe we've gone too far. Now, let's go more into the weeds. He was replying, that quote is a reply to a question uh, on Twitter. Here's the question, are we becoming unglued? That was his response. Basically, uh-huh. And you would probably say, if I said, hey, do you think society or culture? Or maybe, okay, let's make it more personal. Perhaps some of us would say our families are becoming unglued, or our workplaces, or, or our government, whatever. Just you begin to go like, yo, yeah, oh, yeah. If I asked you, are we becoming unglued, most people would like nod and probably audibly, maybe even amen, and be like, you better believe it. If you don't know what this means, are we becoming unglued? It's saying that are we losing our stability? Are, are we finding ourselves struggling to know what's good and bad? And in our context, what's true and what's not. And most of us would say, 
Yeah, because nowadays you could even find a preacher to tell you what you want to hear based on what you want to hear. So we struggle and we sit in this. And so you and I, it's a natural tendency to try to find in the midst of a world that's unglued, how do we get glued down? So some of us go, okay, how do I feel stable? Well, um, well, if, if the person, oh, we'll see how this goes, sorry. Uh, if the person I elect or vote for gets elected, then we're going to be more glued down. Okay. Some of us are like, no, 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 I'm giving up on that. Uh, and you're like, okay. If my finances were what I want them to be, I would feel glued down. If the stock market would just chill out for a second, I would feel glued down. Some of it might be relational for you. Like, like if, if this relationship here was just fixed, if it was just restored, if it was just right, then I would feel, my world would just feel glued down. If my kids would do their stinking chores, that's the glue I want, right? And um, I don't know if that's accurate. Because you and I are trying to trust, trying to find someone to trust, trying to find something to trust in so that we can feel like the world is not near as chaotic as it actually is. And so we're struggling even more and more with trust. Let me give you my example. <laughs> this is embarrassing, but it's fine. Uh, when I was in college, I obviously went to college and, and, and I, I, I didn't go for computer science. I went to, to learn to be a pastor. And if you don't know how that works in your undergrad part of this, they literally like basic classes. And one of the early classes I took with my major was called Intro to Pastoral Ministries. And I'll never forget one of the days. I forget a lot of them, but I'll never forget one of the days of one of those classes. I'm sitting there and and the professor looks at us and and we're we're 18 and 19 year olds. So when the professor spoke, we're like, like, thus saith the Lord. Like, like, Like it was, they're, training us to be a, a pastor. And of course, there's no lying in this. And so they know what to do. And so, and, and, and the professor said to us, I just want to give you a tip about being a pastor. And so we're like, I'm going to actually write this down as a note. Like, and, and he said, you will never be the pastor you should be until you're married. Now, I don't have time to argue that. I can biblically argue that. Uh, I love my wife, but I don't think that they're... Anyways... But as an 18 and 19 year old, you know what that, you know, I wasn't thinking as a 44 year old, I was like, oh my, I've got four years. <laughs> Literally, it just clicked. I mean, I was there enjoying a video game with the boys, eating pizza, and I, I didn't, I, I hadn't really, oh no, I don't need, I'm not here for an education anymore. It's, it's, where is she? Right? Like that. So it, it, Campus was now a hunting ground, basically. It was, it was like just every conversation with, with any female was like, could you, could you be the one? My professor says, I've got, I got to get married. Are you interested? I know we don't, what's your name, by the way? And, and, right, so it began to be that. It, like, it began to be that. And I, I felt this pressure. I felt this pressure that not only was I supposed to get an education, which was hard for me, and, and all the other, like being away from home, that was all difficult. Now I've got to find a wife, and I've got to, there's a, there's a, a countdown. Now, so I get to the fourth year, and I had some good news given to me. Uh, David, you can't graduate yet. I was like, okay, because I'm still single. This is good news. This is good news. So just out of trying to be a good pastor, I went an extra year. That's actually not true. I went five years, but uh, and I, I got done with my fifth year. I stretched it out too. Uh, 
And I graduated college as single as the day I was born. I had already interviewed and gotten a job, moved from Indiana to Kansas. And uh, my parents, because that's, that's all I had, uh, helped me move to my first apartment. Um, it was a little apartment. Moved in, and they're there, and helped me get all moved in. And I got all their hand-me-down stuff, and, and then they drove away, and I'm sitting in my apartment. Now, I'm supposed to be excited, because it's like my first job, my first apartment. But all I could think about was, I'm here now, and I'm single I screwed up. That's literally, all, all, my thought was, it was crazy. Like I was, I was consumed by this, like I have failed. I'm never going to be a, a pastor, maybe even a good pastor. I've got, and my option, it's, it's, it's gone. Now, I tell you that story, because somebody, like, what, have you ever thought about if you could go back to like that version of yourself and have a brief conversation? Have you, have you ever think about, I, I think about this all the time. What if I could go visit high school just for a second and talk to David? Um, what would I say? A lot of things. Uh, but specifically in this case, where I would find myself, if I go, go back in time, find David in his apartment and have a conversation, one thing I could logically say, uh, hey man, chill out. You're about to meet the most incredible woman that's ever walked this earth in about eight months. Chill out. Her name is Katie. She's beautiful. You're going to meet at church and just kind of walk through. I mean, some of us, if you could go to your old self, you'd be like, oh, yeah. And then I might give you like a sports book, gamble, make a lot of, anyways, I would do, like, there's a lot of things you might consider, like passing that information on. But I've thought about this. What if I could go back to the depressed David post-college graduation, epic moment, but I'm depressed because I think God has abandoned me. I... Here's what I would say to that David. I would not tell that David about Katie. What I would tell him is, chill out and learn to trust God with this thing. All I was doing was hunting the details of life, trying to do what God wanted me to do, listen, without trusting him. And I have found that many of us, if you're a Christian, are trying to do the exact same thing. God, I'm trying to do what you want my way. I'm going to fix this my way. And I would give you the same advice. I think that whatever you're dealing with right now, wrestling with, wondering about, you're asking God probably, would you give me the details? Please, 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 please. I think God's like, I'd rather you trust me first. So here's a question for you to ask yourself all year long. <laughs> How much trust is in my relationship with God? Notice I didn't ask, do you trust God? Because most of us are like, well, I don't like not trust him. So I must trust him, <laughs> right? This is how we think. So how much, how much trust is in my relationship with God. It could be a percentage if you like math. It could be, you might use a little bit, a medium amount, a lot, but I think you and I ought to process this all year long is, okay, if we want to trust God, where are you at right now on trust? Proverbs 3, I was reading to you earlier. Let me, let me keep reading to you. Uh, don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Whew. Instead, fear the Lord. Now, if you're new to the Bible, you're like, 
be afraid of God. That doesn't sound like it's helpful in trusting. Well, to understand the original language and the original intent, fear was more about reverence, was more about acknowledging that God is not just this human being with human capabilities and locked into that. Fear the Lord, acknowledge that God is all-powerful everywhere, omniscient, that this God that we talk about isn't limited like you and I. When it says fear the Lord, in other words, trust God. Trust him. Have reverence for who he's about and what he can do. It said fear the Lord, and, and when you begin to trust him, turn away from all evil. Turn away from evil. Then you will be, then, 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 you get the healing that you want and the strength for your bones. Most of us just go straight to the healing, don't we? Don't feel bad. Oh, your pastor does it too. So let's get super specific right now. And this is where we are for a few weeks as a church. So if you and I would agree, at least up here, I want to trust God. Do I just choose to trust God and then come back to church next week and try to hope that trust has grown in some supernatural way? No, no, here, that, that's work on this. Trusting God requires conversations with him. If you actually want trust, I told you at the beginning, there's some work at hand. There's some things that you and I ought to do. It's like any relationship. You don't just like, okay, trust. We just got to have it. It's going to show up tomorrow no matter what we do or what we say. You and I, there's this, how do we build this trust? Conversations with him. And you're like, what is that? I thought I'd help. I even got an emoji. <laughs> Prayer. The problem is, pastors like me, churches like ours, Christians and all society begins to think about prayer. Oh, prayer is the thing that I do to get God to like me. And it becomes like this ritual rather than this relational aspect to where we're like, I don't know how to pray. I don't know if I'm saying the right thing. I'm not going to pray in public. And there's all this stuff that we begin to build around what prayer is. And we lose the fact that God's like, I just want you to trust me. That means talk to me. Hebrews 11 gives us a little bit of insight here. And it, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Sometimes faith feels abstract, right? So use the word we're talking about, trust. Faith is trust. So in other words, we're learning from God that we can't actually please God if we're unwilling to trust him. To give some weight to this conversation, this is why you and I ought to be like, let's talk about trust because if to actually please God, to honor God, to be all about God, then then I need to pay attention to trust. So what do we do? Another step. Trust makes prayer a priority. If you want to make trust a priority, you're like, that sounds like a good topic. Pastor brought it up. Bible talks about it. I want some trust. So what do I actually physically do? What, what's an action step? Is you begin to make prayer a priority rather than, rather than a desperate step that maybe you call 911 with him. You catching the drift now? It's no longer a drift. I'm being straightforward. <laughs> now, am I, am I suggesting to you that it's wrong or inappropriate or immature to go to God when you're desperate? No, I'm not trying to suggest that at all. If you are desperate, ho, oh, go to God. In fact, let's... So here, when our reality becomes desperate, who we want to trust becomes apparent. If you've ever found yourself like, oh no, whatever you're, oh no. 
All of a sudden, in your mind, you have one person or a group or multiple people that you want to be able to trust. So you go after it. Let me tell you a very recent story. You probably know all about this. In case you don't, there was a Monday night football game between uh, Buffalo Bills and Cincinnati Bengals. In the midst of the game, very early on, two players uh, collide as designed. A tackle was occurring. Damar Hamlin appears to be fine. The hit happens, tackle happens, and Damar Hamlin gets up. But then all of a sudden, as many of us were watching on TV, this is Monday Night Football, millions of people, he collapses, not, not lays down, like collapses. And what most of us do, those of us who watch sports, when an athlete goes down, one of the first things you're doing subconsciously is you're watching to see how that player is moving. Because if they aren't, you know the weight of what's at stake. And in this case, the reason I'm telling you the story, um, it was bad. It was so bad that, I mean, you got cameras, you got everything going on, and the cameras began to pick up the players because the players began to realize that he is on the ground and he does not appear to be at all any kind of coherent. Eventually, an ambulance has to enter the football field Players create a bit of a circle to block what's going on because what was going on was CPR trying to save this man's life. See, in sports, uh, it's regular that someone will get injured, uh, sometimes even a career-ending injury, and it's sad. It gets talked about a lot, but anytime you enter to, is this athlete going to survive or have they survived this moment, which most of us watching TV at least thought, we know where this is going. This is going to be a story that we tell our kids and grandkids that we watch that that football game where that player died. It rocked the sports world. So much so, I've never seen this happen, the game gets suspended, Monday Night Football. But what got me was the response that plays out. It was nothing I've ever seen before. I've seen players pray on the field. I've seen Players score a touchdown and think Jesus, win a, win a Super Bowl. And, but never have I seen broadcasters who talk for a living have no idea what in the world to say. And then there is this moment where one of the broadcasters completely, completely risked his entire career. And here's what happened. Show it to you. Um, football gave me everything. You know, and I think even through the midst of absolute tragedy last night, I think you saw some of the beauty of football as well, that it's brought us all here together. Um, you know, like, this is a little bit different. I heard, I've heard it all day, like thoughts and prayers. And you just heard Scherf and Jonathan Allen say, like, all we can do is pray for him. And I've heard the Buffalo Bills organization say that we believe in prayer. And maybe this is not the right thing to do, but I want it's just on my heart that I want to pray for It him. is. DeMar Hamlin right, right, right now. Um, I'm going to do it out loud. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to bow my head, and I'm just going to pray for him. Um, God, we come to you in these moments that we don't understand, that are hard, uh, because we believe that your God and coming to you and praying to you um, has impact. We're, we're sad. We're angry. Um, and we want answers, but some things are unanswerable. We just want to pray. 
truly come to you and pray for strength for Damar, for healing for Damar, for comfort for Damar, to be with his family, to give them peace. If we didn't believe that prayer didn't work, we wouldn't ask this of you, God. Um, I believe in prayer. We believe in prayer. We lift up Damar Hamlin's name in your name. Amen. 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 It's beautiful. What's interesting about that moment that you may not know or have caught a drift of, ESPN is owned by Disney. Now, I'm not here to offer you a bunch of stuff on Disney. I'm just going to tell you a lot of things that Disney does is super anti-God. So it's very fascinating to me to watch ESPN. And so I actually had uh, one of our teammates here on staff grab that video because I wasn't sure if it was going to stay on the, on the Internet. When our reality becomes desperate, who we want to trust becomes so apparent. This is why you and I, in a world where we're desperate for trust, need to talk about prayer. But it's not just your desperate moments. You clear on that? First John 1, 9, one of my favorite places. What do you talk to God about? But if we confess our sins to him. God says, here's what I'd like for you to talk to me about. Your desperate moments where you, you need provision and supply and healing and, and some fix. I want you to do that. But some, he's, confess to him. Confess our sins. What oftentimes gets mismanaged with this verse is we think that this is a verse going, how do I get to heaven? How do I get to heaven? How do I get to heaven? Oh, I just got to spout out to God all the bad stuff I've done. And so that's the trick. That's the magic trick. Wave the wand. I'm in heaven. What I would tell you that verse is saying is God saying, I want to know your deepest, darkest secrets. I want you to trust me enough to talk to me about reality. I love that prayer is not a, it's not a saying, I don't, I'm, I've got my, my head in the sand. I'm just doing some, some positive thinking, so I go to prayer. I, I just do this as my type of meditation. No, I think this is God saying, please come to me about reality. Which one of those realities is? Confession. It tells you and I something about God saying, I want trust to be a big deal. So prayer isn't the ultimate resort, result. Trust is. And many Christians, unfortunately, are taught, oh, you want to be close to God? Pray. Okay, I, uh, all right. And so we think, dear God, to amen by just doing it, that it's done something to please him when he's just saying, I, I, wanted, to have a, I wanted to have a real conversation with you. That's why uh, when Jesus was asked, like, and he preached on about how to pray, he gave us, gave us words, our Father in heaven, oh, go back to that last one, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. So our Father in heaven, May your, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth. Do you notice that when Jesus said, okay, you want to talk about prayer? Then you acknowledge that you're not God, that, that he's God. And it becomes this, okay, I'm, I'm acknowledging our position and our relationship here. Then the, then the prayer turns where you and I are supposed to say, and I'm going to need some food. <laughs> then say, don't deny your needs, but you start off with defining the relationship. If you were to sum all the stuff that Jesus taught about prayer in the Bible, in the New Testament, I'm going to do it for you. Three words. Very simple. Oversimplification. But it should help on you and I praying. What did Jesus teach about prayer? One, submission. It is submission. 
prayer or conversation with God is an acknowledgement based on the, watch the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, it is an acknowledgement that I'm not God and I don't want that role. <laughs> I want him to play that role out. Submission. When you talk to God, it is an act of submission. The conversation by just itself is saying, I need you because you can do what I can't. Submission. And then persistence. This is where we get lost. I get asked regularly, um, uh, how often should I talk to God about this? A bunch. Over and over. How often should I pray? Should it be just in the morning? How about for the meals? But at the end of the day, how often should I talk? See, to me, that's like saying, how often should I talk to my kids? That question is not logical. How often should I talk to my kids? As often as possible. You see, what, you see what we're doing? We're separating God as though there's not a relationship, as though, as though that's just religion. He's like, no, I treat me like, like a normal relationship. Talk to me all the time. Be persistent. So you better believe I write a lot of my prayers out in the morning. If you were to read them, which I would not let you, uh, if you were to read them, you probably would get bored after a while. Because you're like, he's praying the same thing. He's already talked to God about that. Uh-huh. And then confidence. Never forget who you're talking to. You're not talking to someone with human liabilities and limitations. You're talking to the almighty God so you can have confidence. Not that you're going to get your way, but that God is going to get his way. The unfortunate thing about prayer is we, we often turn it in like we're talking to a genie. Let me show you a verse where this gets twisted. Oh, it gets jacked up. Let me try to fix this. You don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. You might have heard it. You have not because you ask not. When I was a kid, I was like, thank you very much for sharing that with me. <clears throat> this is a popular verse. This is a good verse. This verse is in the Bible. And we take it out of context. We take this and say, all right, if that's how prayer works, if I, if I love God, then I'll just tell him what I want and he'll give me what I want. And then he doesn't give you what you want. And then you're like, maybe he didn't hear my prayer or maybe, maybe he didn't hear any of my prayers. Maybe he's not really God. You see how this gets twisted? This was being written to a group of people that had stopped asking God for their needs. What they had done is, and this might shock you, uh, it won't actually, uh, they felt like they could do life on their own. They could get their own jobs, create their own income, get their own health, do their own thing. And then when they couldn't do that, you know what they resorted to? Stealing it from each other. They had stopped asking God. And so God's like, and talk about this. this it reveals our, our need, our, our need whatever, your, whatever your need is, it's the battleground for trust. Right now, if you have any kind of like, God, who are you? Can I trust you? I assure you it's in the place of your need. Whatever you need most, whatever you're craving, whether it's physical healing or just for him to say, to prove that he's real, you're like, I need this. That is where trust is being forged. And many of us don't leave enough room. We don't have enough conversations with him. So we take it in our own hand. So some of us think right now that our houses, our money, our cars, we think we earned them. God's like, no. You only have that because I allow you to have that. 
Many of us think that we have our health because we work out and we don't eat near as many donuts as Pastor David. <laughs> it can be, there might, you can affect your health. But God is the one in charge of our hearts. So let me read this in context. It might help a little bit. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? They're fighting. Can you imagine a society where people were bickering? Don't they come from the evil desires that were within you? You, you want what you don't have, so, so, so you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. So here, yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. That's why some of us, when we talk to God, we're not trying to accomplish his will. We're talking to him to get him to do what we want, thinking that maybe we, maybe we don't always know what we really need. So here's what we're going to do as a church. And I'm about to walk you into, listen to me, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking at you. There's certain moments that I will seize as your pastor. I've done them in the past where I've told you this is a big deal. What I'm about to share with you is a huge deal. And it is a test for our church to see how healthy we really are. When you think about what you're going to talk to God about and pray about, here's how you should consider starting. What are you longing for? I made a list. Um, here's the things that I wrestle with and I found in scripture tons of uh, examples. Uh, this is not an exhaustive list that you can make a longer list, but what are you longing for? Just to try to help you get thinking. Uh, direction. Maybe you want to know, God, what, what do you want me to do? Uh, understanding. Maybe you're in a setting, you're like, I don't, I don't get this. I don't get this. And you're craving understanding. God, would you help me get my mind around uh, my reality? Uh, healing. Physical healing. Emotional healing. Spiritual healing. Provision. Maybe you don't have what you need, and that's what you long for. Comfort, peace. That's just a short list, right? That's a short list. So here's what we've decided as a church. You ask me to tell you when we're not doing well financially as a church, when you ask me to tell you when we're not doing well with volunteers as a church, so I'm going to tell you something. It's time that you and I, as a collective church, come to God and share with him what we are longing for. And your schedule is not an excuse, nor is mine. So what we did is we put it on the calendar, 24 hours of prayer and 24 hours of reading the Bible. Here's how this is going to play out. You'll be invited to all three different locations, downtown, east, west, that there'll be 30-minute time slots where you can come and either pray or you can come and read the New Testament out loud. We'll even have a Bible there with a light. I'll get large print for you as well. And we'll read the Bible. And so for 24 hours out loud, an individual will be reading the New Testament out loud. Why? Because we want to hear the word of God. At the same time, an individual or individuals will be signed up as well to pray. Now, what does that look like? Do you, what, do you, what do you talk to God for 30 minutes about? I would suggest don't talk the whole 30 minutes. Maybe you come in and say, God, I'm here. That's it. 
I bet you could probably share some other things with them, but don't feel like you have to fill the 30 minutes with words. In fact, my best prayer times usually tip over to good when I stop talking and I start listening. Josh did a great job last week at sharing what this looks like. Across three locations, that means if we split this up into half-hour segments, half-hour reading, or a half-hour of reading scripture or praying, uh, there's 288 spots. You can do the math on your own to verify that I just told you accurate information. 288 spots. 288 spots. You're like, wow, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of different individuals. You can sign up for more than 30 minutes, just so you know. Now, you can't pray and read at the same time. Just don't try that one. 288. If you want to know, can I, can I give you a comparison? There were nearly 5,000 people that came to Christmas services in person. 5,000. We need 288 people. That's what I'm going to tell you as pastor of this church. This is a test. We will come hear a sermon and sing songs, but will we come talk to God and listen to God? This, I promise you, is a test based on Psalm 34. Very simple, and then I'll pray. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fountain Springs Church in 2023 is going to go after trusting God. If you want to trust God, you start, you start by not him doing what you want him to do. No, we just take refuge in him. So we're going to hear the scripture be read out loud. And we're going to talk to God. And your pastor has no idea what God intends to do with this. So, to close the sermon, you go to the website, you go to the app, or you can go to the next steps and say, just give me a slot. But this is a test. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, you are so faithful to meet with us wherever we come to you at. I have spoken with you in the hills. I have heard from you in my car. I have been both desperate with you and so joyful with you. God, we are a church who says that we love you, we believe in you, and we want to trust you. So, Lord, will you push us this year to talk to you, to listen to you? Help us to be the kind of church, the kind of Christians who have a relationship with you. We love you, God. Thanks for meeting with us. In the name of Jesus, amen.